This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Plenty to dive into on this Monday. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee. And yes, we can start off with the, the Leafs downing the new look Senators 3-2 in the first edition of the Battle of Ontario. But I think, guys, the bigger story this weekend was not Saturday night. It was Saturday morning mm-hmm. during... A skate, a pregame skate with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Matt Murray, who is expected to start that game. And now we are waking up Monday and finding out that uh, Matt Murray's in familiar territory, guys, with his seventh trip to the IR in under five years. Yeah. Four years and two games or whatever it's been. Yeah, Kip, I mean, this is worst-case scenario. These type of injuries where they happen without contact, without incident, when they just happen and you're just a dried elastic band that someone picks up on the sidewalk and tries to pull apart, not good. So this is the adductor, which is, my wife tells me as an OT, is all the muscles that help pull your leg in. So you're growing, whatever. Uh, That seems relevant to the position. Uh, of goaltender so what now this guy's gonna miss a month well before before we get into what now okay. we're not we're just not, we're, we're not talking about practice we're talking about the morning just, state please oh man give me your first thought whatever just came to your mind the moment you heard this because i have a sneaking suspicion it 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 kind of rippled around the league but your first thought was to well first off of course my first thought was of course of course because it's the Leafs and my next was imagining what Dubas is thinking were were you Sammy were you laughing or crying because those are the only two options Uh, for true Leaf fans I I was laughing I I I sent the the video around like my phone got warm on a Saturday morning I was was like what is happening here and it got sent to me a lot of times the video David Alter took of him hobbling off the ice so that doesn't look good I just, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm very upset for Matt Murray. Like, by all accounts, we'll play a clip that Kiefer had to say about him, talking about, oh, how it's, you know, he's worked so hard, he was so excited, all this, all that. It's his hometown, sure. uh, you know, grow up, loving the Leafs. And then it's just, we play, he played, what, one game. Plays one game, morning skate before his second game against his former team, and he's done. Who, Matt Morazic? Matt, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You this not. is not the same thing. <laughs> you not. You tweeted that, right? <laughs> Mrazic in the first game. So, you naughty boy. That, well, you naughty boy. Could, could that be uh, deemed as like the first official joke? <laughs> the moment you heard it? Uh, maybe. I did think of Peter Mrazic pretty quick there. Jeez. We just did this where you trade for a guy who's injury prone and hasn't played up to par. You're looking to have a fresh start. And then they play below par and they're injury prone. All right. We've got, uh, we're loaded for bear with Kippers Clippers starting this Monday. So let's go to Sheldon. Keep his head coach on Matt Murray. Yeah, he's he's put in a lot of work and he's been healthy all the way through off season, 
training camp preseason, and he's put in, he's put in a lot of work and, and hasn't missed a second of anything and, and has been feeling good all the way through. So it's to that end, it's disappointing for him. Obviously disappointing for us. We wanted to be healthy, wanted to be in the net. But like any other injury, I mean, these injuries happen, you know, and we've uh, we've dealt with a lot of them when it comes to the goaltenders, you know, over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, uh, you know, that's the reason why we signed two guys. You know, we still have Eric Schalgren here who did a good job for us, and he comes up, and there's opportunities for others. And it's going to create opportunities for us within our roster as well here now with salary cap and such. So, you know, there's... There's things that come of it, you know, that we can um, turn into positives and uh, give give Matt time to get back to full health. Okay, there, there are injuries, and then there are injuries. Mm-hmm. But he, he he's he's wrong. They they don't happen. Not like this. Oh no no wait. Well they said. do they they do happen. They just happen to you, Matt Murray. Yep. Peter Morazic and you and your team. Yeah. It's. It's the only time it happens. Like, I look at a guy like Matt Murray, mm-hmm. whose career as a starting goalie is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. How do you allow this to happen? No different. I, 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 it's repeat and play. I, I'm having the same conversation as Peter Morazic this time last year. How do you allow how this? How does Murray allow it to happen? How does Murray, how did Peter Morazic allow this to happen when you've trained and gone through training camp and you are two days, three days yeah. into your season? Well, I just think it's unfortunate. You know, like not that it's it's purely bad luck because they made a bet on a guy. Injury, people who get injured tend to get injured, right? That's so they made a bad bet on a guy hoping to get lucky. And for Matt Murray, I mean, if the elastic bands are dehydrated and ready to go, how do you rehydrate them? Like, I just, he may be a guy whose body, like a Jake Muzzin or whatever, his body just can't do it anymore. Well, I, I think, I mean, we, we, just, we just touched on this earlier, the seventh trip in, in less than five years, but there is a sense that uh, whatever he's gone through in the past, including concussions, uh, I don't think he's he's dealt with, a bad groin before where I think Mrazek has. He, there there uh, was a little bit of a history. Right Murray's now, got three lower bodies there, on his... There, there is a sense that this is... This, he's never dealt with this before. That's bad. Isn't it? I, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Actually, you're right. Maybe it's maybe, good. Maybe it is good. Maybe it's... <laughs> is it? Well, here's what... Well, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think, don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't call it good. You know what it's, a whole, blow- it's a new thing to add to the rap sheet. Well, maybe... <laughs> What blows my yeah, mind is they, it is they had this guy on IR maybe before he, his skates left the ice. Like, he came over and talked to the trainer, and dude was just like, IR. You yeah. know, like, there was no, let's see how this feels tomorrow. Like, they know it's an issue Well, here. as soon as you saw them call up Shalgren, right? Because Freege did a great job of laying out all the different sort of yeah. the things that could happen with, with Murray, Murray yeah. getting hurt. Yeah. And one of the ones was, if he goes on LTIR... They will activate Chalgren today. And then you see the least PR. We ever called Chalgren. It's like, well, LTIR, here we go. It happened quick. So they knew quick. So it's a real problem. It's not like, let's see how this is. Or maybe his last game with the Marlies, he was pulled. Because he was hurt. Because he was hurt. Or um, my understanding was it was precautionary. More so than than him. He got ran over. But they they played on, on the safe side. But there's a chance that if, if Murray doesn't, uh, get hurt maybe Shalgren's out for precautionary th- for a week 
Well, this is the 10 thing. days, but so, he doesn't have that luxury anymore. But the good news is, you know, he's only got a backup. He's just going to come in and watch the game after getting run. He's not going to have to do anything too strenuous tonight is my understanding. Wait, sorry. <laughs> he's starting the game. They're starting Shalgren tonight against Arizona. They go tonight, but let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Why don't we just go back and revisit Sheldon Keefe on Samsonov's night Saturday? Sure. He's been nothing but great uh, in terms of his on-ice, off-ice since he's been in our facility and, and even the time we spent with him in the off-season and, and uh, you know, before he arrived in Toronto even. just He's been great, wanted to work hard, put the work in. So this is why he signed here, is for opportunity. You know, he's, he's on a bit of a mission here this season and now, now the door is really open there for him. We're going to have to lean on him probably more than we would have. And, you, know, like, you know, we had planned to really pretty much share things and they're really going here and give it both guys an opportunity to, to, to get some traction. Uh, so things have changed a little bit. At the same time, Shalgren is going to get opportunity, opportunity just the same. We're going to need two guys. That's just the reality of the NHL. And we've got confidence in, in Shalgren too. We, have, we weren't able to get him as much time in the net in preseason as we would have liked to, um, just because we prioritize the other two guys. But the reality is you know you're going to need those guys. And here we are. That is the door opening up on the opportunity <laughs> in like, the next month. That sounded like me after a few too many Molsons there. I don't know what that sounded like. <laughs> Want me to do my door one more time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky door. Uh, you're right. Uh, Wide open. It is. You know what? The whole Samsonov thing is really interesting. Keith also said somewhere around those quotes that Samsonov could have gotten more and or he and he could have gotten more years somewhere else, but this was the the spot he wanted to be. It's almost like he saw the bet Kyle Dubas made with Matt Murray and made the opposite bet. Basically said, yeah, yeah, I think that guy's not going to be able to play, and I'm going to get a lot of games. Like he he almost saw the well, Murray that sounds thing like coming. a healthy environment to, to be around. Yeah, I mean, people call it competition. Or <laughs> competition. Whatever. It could work for or against. Yeah, teams. We've we've known that. We've experienced that. Right. I mean, and I did get into that a little bit. It is, it's a double-edged sword. There, it could be, it could work for you, or it can, at times, work against you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting though. Samsonov doesn't have this like track record that like if he gets back to playing like that in the NHL, like he had a good rookie year. Since then, he hasn't really had a great year. He's been below average and expected well, goals against. And I don't know. Is, is there anything we've seen in the first three games out of Samsonov that that suggests? Oh yeah, he he's ready for this. He's ready to well, take this for the next. Well, they're bigging him up, aren't they? They're well, saying everything they they're, can they're, to make him think they're that. They're ready. Way. He's ready to go for the next month. To me, he's had two really good third periods. I thought he was shaky in the first half of both of his starts. Hold on, did he have really good third periods, or did the puck not go in? I thought he was good against the Sens. Like the Leafs, really, they kind of turned it off. Okay. They did in the second half of that game, and I thought he was pretty good. Okay. I mean, he still, to me, yeah. looks like the type of guy that's going to be good for one they're, stinker every game. To me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there's nothing I, I've seen in the first three games that will tell me what's in store moving forward here. We've got arguably, and we'll see where Nick Backstrom is with Washington and ultimately where uh, they are with, uh, with Kemper being able to kind of hold them in. But they, they could be a non-playoff team. They The Leafs could have seen three non-playoff teams yeah. to start their season, and they're going to see a fourth 
which is as close tonight Arizona is to an American League roster. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a couple things on this. First off, Samsonov last year started the season, uh, I want to say like 9-0-1 in his first 10 games. He didn't lose a game. Three shutouts in his first nine games. Unbelievable start to the season. And then he was Jack Campbell the second part of the season. So that's, you know, he's typically started years well. Yeah. So let's see if that happens. The point about Arizona, though, is an interesting one. And I feel like they're playing, they're treating Arizona like an AHL team a little bit. They're saying, okay, Sam Samsonov's not going to go in. They're going to go with Eric Schalgren tonight. And that's something we can yeah. talk about more in a second. They're not going to put a Nick Robertson or whatever. They're going to keep this same lineup. But I don't know. I don't know. It just, it feels like Arizona is being treated like the lesser opponent they are. And typically that hasn't worked great for them. Well, we'll pick up your conversation sure. after we hear Keith on his decision to start Eric Schalgren. Okay. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, we're going to need, we're going to need him. Uh, so... We have to we have to get him in. We also have to be mindful of Samsonov's workload here. You know, this today would have been his third game in five nights, and we're, he's going to be busy. So, um, combination of Samsonov's uh, workload needing to be managed and Shalgren needing to, needing to be in the net because we're certainly going to need him, especially on the road trip that's upcoming, and that would be a long time not playing. So, all signs pointed towards him getting the the start tonight. So clearly, Keith and the management team they're. They're already in protection mode for Samsonov. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, you know, all they have, unless they believe Schalgren's a guy, which we don't think they do. So my two schools of thought is you're, you're playing arguably the worst team in the league. Why not give another game to, for Samsonov to build his confidence up? Feeling good. Feeling good. Get his, get his numbers down. We know what, uh, save percentage and goals against average yeah. mean two goalies. Here's totally. a chance to to let him pat his stats. This to me is why they're leaving Dennis Mulligan in tonight instead of putting in Nick Robertson. Because I think they really want this Mulligan thing to work. They want to be proven right. And this is a team where he should logically thrive. Nick Robertson or Mulligan. Mulligan, either one. But either Nick could, one. Nick yes, could thrive I too. Think, I think either guy, this is okay. They're looking at it as a game they should handle. But, before we get to the the Nick Robertson conversation ah, right, here, right. I, I just want to just follow up on on Samsonov and is he now ready at age twenty five to now handle this going into uh, an important road trip coming up after mm. Arizona tonight? Hope so. That's all you got <laughs> for me. I hope so. Well, like I'm gonna say. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. I, I feel, though, Kipper, with you, that tonight's the perfect night to put him in again. He's played. He's getting in a rhythm. Like, he hasn't been playing all year. The season just You've started. Had, he, 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 he didn't play uh, against Montreal, Montreal. And he's had not overtaxing no, two I, games. Under 30 shots, I think. You know, They like, haven't been, like overwhelming here's the thing though if you're the Leafs you're saying if we can't use Shalgren tonight when or when do we when can we use him that's what they're looking at they're going when can we get Shalgren in and not feel like we're really you know punting on a, a hockey game here I, his first I, I speak of Samsonov now his first win against Washington mm-hmm. he d- did you notice how 
and he was the first to admit it, Said of course. nervous. Nervous. Yeah. And I'm... I get all of us can, under any circumstance, doesn't matter where you are in your career, it's your first game with your new team, there's going to be a sense of butterflies. But he really came across to me like almost as nervous as a a kid getting called up at a junior on an emergency basis. Well, it's more important for him. The kid called up at a junior might get years <laughs> to try. For Samsonov, it's now or never. Like, But it, it didn't sound like a guy who's 25 and, and had... No. Years of That's NHL sometimes experience get, under his belt. Sometimes, is, he, is he that nervous? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get older and you're more aware. Like golfers say, it's harder sometimes. It's easier when you're young and dumb. Then you get older and you realize the stakes a little bit more. Maybe he's there. I'm in media. I'm aware the trapdoor can be pulled out from under me at any moment, Kipper. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Once upon a time, I didn't. But now I do. I just hope he's no longer nervous. That's I, all. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I, I like that it's that important to him. I like that he's, you know, the, the this means a lot to the guy. I thought that the coach did a job. I don't know if you guys saw the Maple Leafs clip they put out of Sheldon Keefe after the game, making an effort to give a back pat to Sammy. Out of boy, Sammy. Way to get in there, Sammy. You yeah. know, like, get him feeling good. So, yeah, I would have liked to see him go tonight, too. But Hell of a job, Sammy. The, so, already, though, we agree the Leafs are not treating Arizona like... Any other opponent? Like, if it's Tampa tonight, is it Shalgren? No. Right? I would think that they would have gone to the guy that they really think can beat them. Right. And so that goes for almost every team, I think. And the team has failed fairly recently at preparing for lesser, air quotes, opponents. Although you have tweeted or text us a couple times, good game between two evenly matched teams. <laughs> well, is there, is there, I know you're uh, joking. It was a joke. Is there a, is there a, a bigger conversation here about the goaltending bets by Dubas in general? Yes. Like with Mrazek, with Jack Campbell in terms of injury, with now Matt Murray. Campbell won paid though, right? For sure. But like he was hurt a lot of the time. They had to depend on bad goaltending for a lot of it. Like even you think back when Anderson was hurt, uh, Campbell was hurt a lot of that time too. Like they had to go to third string guys. Like the, the thinking that goaltenders are now running back, sort of the zag that you don't need to have a really good one, seems to be part of Dubis's thinking. And I don't know. It's just an interesting wow. conversation about the gambles he's made. Very much. It's it's really bad luck. But I, I don't know. Is there more to this? Is there uh, the way these guys prepare, with the way they train, the way they look after themselves, uh, the physio. But, I mean, they're they're not looking after Are, themselves should, worse, should Kipper. They, I but mean, they're, should they not all be revisited? And, like, how how do we allow this to happen? Why is this us? Why is it not happening to other teams? I do remember that, Kelly being critical. Does that um, not – do do the Leafs have to look at themselves in the mirror and go, okay, how, how do we allow this to happen? We've got – we got, like – a half a dozen trainers, we got a half a dozen doctors, we got half a dozen uh, physio people, we got nutri- nutritionists, we we got you covered. They can't eat any more salmon. They're eating all the salmon they can eat. What else can we do? <laughs> <laughs> the chicken and broccoli doesn't work anymore. Uh, everything's great. One thing that's clear is also the floodgate of salary cap relief that it left the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yes. just like that, Nick Robertson, Wayne Simmons, Victor Mete, all called up. Let's start with Sheldon Keefe on why he made the decision not to play Nick Robertson tonight. There was a discussion for sure. Uh, ultimately, just just decided that 
the group that we've been going with here, especially, you know, as I spoke to yesterday about the accountability and the competition within the group, uh, I think it just makes more sense for us to give the group that we've been going with an opportunity here now, knowing that there's guys here that are chomping at the bit to get in the lineup. Uh, so we want to see how our group responds to that. Uh, you know, so we're going to give that group the opportunity tonight. You know what I got out of that? There was a, a discussion and uh, I lost. <laughs> you know what? I got that too. That's funny because we really? didn't mention that pre-show. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have liked to see Nick Robertson in, but uh, who comes out? And there's only one guy. Is Mulligan. And he ain't coming out. Right. That's what I got, too. You, you know, the the situation right now, it, the weird part about that quote, which is him saying nothing wrong, by the way, but it is him saying, essentially, that we want to see if these guys here, like, get some urgency out of this group a little bit, which almost implies that, what, they didn't get much out of them the last couple games or they thought there could have been more urgency. Like, otherwise, if you bring these guys in and you want to see Nick Robertson, you just put them in. The implication that you want to see how the group performs now that there's people there who can take their jobs implies that before they weren't acting like there was people there who could take their jobs. I don't know. We talked about Mulligan plenty so far. We haven't been overly positive, not because he's not talented, but, but weird fit. There, he's got there, there, no shots over the last two I, games I think you nailed on the it. second line. I think you nailed it, JB that there is a sense that you are protecting Mulligan here. Not necessarily you're thinking about the opportunity that Nick Robertson earned during training camp. And he earned it. It's a strictly a salary if, cap thing, and they told him as much. If you don't take Mulligan out, now you, have a, now you run the risk of upsetting two lines mm -hmm. instead of just one. Right. Yeah, so if you put in Robertson, do you put him right there with, with Tavares and Willie? Have to, yeah. You got to give him that. Got to give him the best chance to succeed, and all still don't like all, that. Line. Everything points in the direction that this guy could have been upset. He could have gone to the Marlies with his, you know, his lip dragging. He didn't. He went in with a good attitude. He played well on the scored, weekend. Yeah. I think he scored, and uh, he's he's ready to go. He 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 needs to be put in a position that could succeed, and. Arguably, you can say after three games, the, the Leafs' best forward has been Tavares. You're going to put him with Tavares. Yeah, interesting. The, um, you know, the one suggestion I saw um, was that, let's say you put Yarncroc in Mulgan's spot and then had him play on the third line with Kerfoot and Engvall, Robertson, Kerfoot, and Engvall, because they're using all three lines a little bit more this year, and actually they're using all of their lines more than they have in the past, which if you're okay with it, are we good to transition to time on ice a little bit? Sheldon talked about that as well. well I just uh, I just want to stick with uh, the call-ups okay. one more time. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That uh, I'm expecting to see Victor Mete in the lineup tonight. What? Really? If, if you think... Muzzin and Giordano are going to play 82 games. Mm -hmm. I think that's crazy. Hmm. And if you can't sit one of those guys out against Arizona at home, when can you ever sit out Muzzin and, or Gio during the regular season? It, I don't care if it's that early. Yeah. I don't care if it's that early. You want to manage these guys? You want to get Muzzin ready? You want to avoid some wear and tear? Muzzin doesn't play tonight. Love that. 
I love that, but at the same time, I'm like, they're not taking Arizona seriously. Hey, yeah. listen, if if you if you can't take Muzzin out because you're scared that the team's not going to take Arizona seriously, <laughs> right. you ain't ready to w- try to win the Stanley Cup this year. As much as that kills my previous argument, you're right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It, I am curious to say, I thought you were going to say take Sandino because he hadn't been no, awesome. I am but thinking, see him I am play, thinking I think. about uh, protecting yeah. uh, two guys that will be instrumental to you. And I'm talking strictly wear and tear that this should be a night. And Muzz played hard, took a yeah. huge Muzz. run um, on the weekend. Yeah, he uh, crushed, uh, what's his name by the boards? I don't know who it was. I can't recall now. But listen, that pair was much better. I, I was hard on them after the first night. Muzzin and Hall have been much better. Hall's been very good, actually, the last two games. So great. Great that they seem to have it going. Anyways, but I'm with you that rest pro- that makes you're sense. You're probably right. They won't. They won't take them out of the lineup. But yeah. I just gave it food for thought. That's it's all. It's good food. Um, the other thing. Yummy, sorry. Yummy food. Good food. <laughs> it's good food. Well done. Good food. Good food. In terms, oh, Simmons, the other guy. Do you want to see Wayne Simmons at all? Do you what, what do you think of this scenario that I, he's back I, with the team? I like Wayne Simmons within an within an arm length of uh, of going in. That's all. And yeah, if it's strictly uh, going to Wayne when you need a presence that Kubel or yeah. um, Aston Reese cannot give you, it's nice to have. And we do have Winnipeg coming up. Later this week, this do we not? Wayne wants to be though the guy who gets to stick with the team, but has to go in to fight well, someone. You, you listen to this clip by Wayne Simmons, and then you answer that question after. I will. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but like you I said, I'm here for these guys. You know, pouring my heart and soul into this team over the last two years, not just in terms of who I want to be. You know, I'll do anything in my power, you know, to stay with this organization. So that's where we're at. Anything in my power to stay with the organization. Does that sound like a guy that might be willing to do that for? Yeah. During the regular season? Yeah. If he's like, if you tap me on the shoulder once a month to go and fight someone and I get to, you know, earn my full salary and stay yeah. with the Leafs, let's do it. Clearly had no intention of of skating with the Marlies or ever riding a bus ever again in his career. In his defense, it's pretty crummy. <laughs> <laughs> Not the preferred league to play in. Oh, I could speak of that as well. Yeah. No question about that. Well, it will be interesting to see if they can trade him, if he doesn't sound like he wants to get traded. It's a very bizarre circumstance where you just kind of have a guy around the team who they seem to have said is not a part of the team, but he's kind of a part of the team. It's just a strange relationship between Simmons and the Leafs this year for me. All right. uh, Before we get to Sheldon Keefe on ice time uh, for the big boys, just uh, your overall thoughts of – of Saturday night because there was certain points in the game where you're like, this could go either way, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Brady Kachuk hit the post, yeah, in the third period, did he not? Uh, Leaves hit the post a couple times too. on a on a power play that would have given them the lead. Just your overall thoughts I on Saturday night. It, it kind of like is a theme with the Leafs over the last few years where you just feel like. They're the better team, and when they can't break through, it feels like they push all their men forward, and then all of a sudden there's these breaks going the other way, and it's like, ah, hair's on fire. It feels like they push and push and push, and it's when a goaltender gives them a hard time, it, it's scary because one can go the other way quick. That's how I always feel. Did, didn't we get that sense, Sammy, exactly what JB's talking about, that, that Hall makes the decision to go in deep, and sure enough, it, it turned out great, but 
on some other nights, he's caught. Well, hell yeah, he misses the net and that rims around and all of a sudden it's two and one the other way. And it's like, I actually, you know, in that same thing I referenced about Keith talking to the team after the game, he was like, yeah, the big three car, you know, makes a great play. And I was like, don't encourage that. So I just, to me, I don't know how they're going to win more games than they lose with that decor. Like, I think, the, I think the, I mean, the sense. Oh, jeez. I was like, what? No, the sense. Yeah. Okay. The sense, like, I think they really have improved up front. They are obviously way more dangerous than they were. Their, their power play looks really good. I, they've got elements that I think are much improved, but the decor is not one of them. We're going to get into that with Bobby Ryan. He's going to come on in about, uh, what, uh, 15, 17 minutes. Former National Hockey Leaguer, majority of those games with the Ottawa Senators. He had a good look. At the Ottawa Senators on the weekend, uh, he'll uh, he'll give us his take. Uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to Bobby Ryan on, on the show as well. And then in the second hour, uh, Mike McKenna will drop by and give us his thoughts, not just on the Leaf goaltending situation, but maybe what's going on uh, uh, around the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota, boys, 14 goals given up in, yeah. in two games. What the heck is crowds booing is going on He's in there? He's booing himself. And uh, Jack Campbell, yeah, four but, and eleven in the Battle of Alberta. But just from my sense, Saturday night, that uh, lots of things, including uh, scoring chances from that home o- or that season opener in Montreal, has been cleaned up. Yeah, but I, they're not pumping on all cylinders. And I look at the big boys, and it's it's a slow start. Yeah, I don't think Matthews has been great. He's been fine, but they're, they're just they're, they're, they, good. Even they've got a ways to go to to get for me that that pace of play up, mm-hmm. and for for three games I've I've seen an average average looking forward group when they should on many nights look like gazelles. It is typical though of when you have great elite players that they score a goal like the one they scored there. Marner makes an unbelievable play to keep it in. Tavares keeps it in. Matthews makes the pass. Nealander, like four unbelievable players make great yeah. plays. You shoot one in the net, it's enough to win the game. Yeah. You know, that's like you're just more talented yeah. than the other team and, at some and, point. But we are we are used to seeing that forward group have a lot more consistency in that look shift to shift than we've seen in the first three games. And I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, um, but – it may be that after a 60 goal season you're just you're just looking for for Austin a little bit too much and you know maybe maybe they're all guilty of it a little bit here but pace of play for me Austin, line was good, Austin isn't anywhere near where where we've seen them in the past yeah there were flashes of it like their line controlled play for like chunks of the game but you're right where just that consistent sort of like it's their hockey game. Hasn't quite been there yet. One thing we mentioned uh, with each other and we didn't mention pre-show was my feeling that Bunting, you know, he, it's not that he's been bad either. I just, he's been given so much. He earned that spot on that top line of that team and had 60 points and everyone loved it and all that. He, he almost has to remember that he's not one of those guys. He's not Matthews and Marner. He's the workhorse guy that goes and gets the puck, that stands in front of the net like, I, I just don't think he's been quite as effective. I understand, you look at Corsi and stuff last game, he was wonderful. But I don't think he's looked as good as he did in the first, didn't, well, last season at times. Did, didn't we have a, a before the season started, a, a, a Kipper's Clipper, Sheldon Keefe, describing bunting 
And didn't he kind of give us alluded the, to that a, a insinuation yeah. or alluded to yeah. that bunting needs to do this, this, and this, uh, yeah, or or else you know he's going to find himself probably <laughs> down the rotation. Well, and- he, he's you know everyone talks about him like he's just one of those guys. He's not. He's a hardworking, you know, second third line guy who's a good fit for that line. So just and, something to keep. No, I think there, there was a couple play enders that he had on Saturday night that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Like through the neutral zone, him trying to, like you said, be one of those guys. And it just, you know, instead of just driving the lanes, like Kipper likes talking about kind of going to the net, opening it up for those guys. It just seemed that just a step behind early. And yeah. he was good with him last year, but I know what you're talking about. So those big guys um, didn't play as much, haven't played as much as they have in previous seasons. One of the things you mentioned Tavares looking so good. Do you know how much John Tavares is averaging for ice time this season? I will put you on the spot. 17.02. Good guess. Less. Half a minute less. 16.34. Yeah. So he's averaging, He's never averaged below 18 minutes in his life as an NHL yeah. player. He's averaging 16 and a half. Um, I think of him when Keith says what he says here about the big boys and their ice time. Yeah, it has changed. It has changed for sure with the group that we have and how we have the lineup spread out. Here now, I do have targets in mind that I won't tell you, but um, for the most part, I've stayed within those. But the game happens, right? Like, you have targets and you want to manage the group and you want to have everybody involved. As I was saying, because of the depth, we have a greater opportunity to use uh, use four lines and, and share a lot more with the responsibilities. But the game's going to happen. Some games is going to be a lot of power plays. Some games is going to be a lot of penalty kills. Some games you're going to be chasing the game. Sometimes you're going to be leading. All of that is going to impact everybody's ice time. Uh, you know, but for the most part, uh, I want to really give everybody an opportunity to contribute and execute their role. See, uh, he, 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 Tavares is another guy that Sheldon's going to have to protect. Because he seems to be doing it. He's, for me, it's wear and tear over the 82 games. I've talked to a lot of people around the league where they do feel like Tavares is, even in his Islander days, that towards the latter part, he does slow down a little bit. Of the season. Of the season. That there is a little wear and tear on him as well. Skating is not as efficient. uh, Is not as efficient. And there's... There's a labor factor with him, with his skating. And maybe he does tire out a little bit. If if Sheldon can keep his minutes, I think, down around 16 and a half, 17, even though he's still getting his... Would you want to see him that low? Well, how many times you you got a lead? How many times are you chasing the game? True. Right? And... You know, he's going to always be at it with 11 million bucks. He's going to take as much time as he wants on the power play. But outside of that, um, he's not killing penalties. No. So he shouldn't, he shouldn't be knocking on the door 20 minutes a night. So most, most nights. Yeah. Both, both Matthews and Marner, their ice time is down to about 20 and a half. 21, yeah. you know, under that, 20, 20 and a half, something like that, which for them is lower than it has been typically. One of the ways they're doing that is the Leafs penalty kill. They have penalty killers, you know, that they use ahead of Marner. Marner is fourth among forwards on ice time or See, penalty I kill like ice that. time. I like that. Yeah. Again, I want to, I, I want to, you, you want to make sure that these guys have plenty of gas in the tank mm-hmm. come the end of the year. 
Yeah, they're using Yarncroc the most. Justin Hall a lot. You know, like I think Kerfoot's ahead of them. They think Engvall's ahead of them. So yeah, I get your. You were saying that preseason that you thought they could spare Marner some PK ice time, and they have. If you want to start thinking about maybe throwing him out on the back end, we haven't seen it yet. Right. But if there are going to be opportunities there to late in a period, whatever, late in a game, you're yeah. down. You just want to make sure that you're not uh, overtaxing right. a lot of these guys. So that's one way you can. And they're not. They're not horses. No. Or maybe they do have one horse developing Austin Matthews because he's. More physical, I think he's heavier. We know that he, the workouts that he had in the off season, yeah. were really built for him to not only absorb more contact but at times initiate more. We have seen that, guys, without a doubt. Without a doubt, yeah. In the first three games, let's go to Sheldon on his thoughts on it. Not specifically coming into this season, but it's something we've we've, we've talked about at different times. It's a fine line for him, right? Because it's a long season, and he, he he has a lot of contact that comes his way because he has the puck and he's dangerous and all these things. But he's he's a big guy that can skate well and gets on top of the puck and has an opportunity to assert himself that way. Uh, and I think it's just part of his growth as a player and uh, part of his responsibility as a leader. Uh, you know, I think uh, whether it's him and and how physical he's been and the addition of Aston Reese and. Um, Obi Cabell and what they bring consistently with their physicality. If you know, just see an uptick in, uh, with our group there. You know, there's some interesting numbers if you look at the Leaf stats this season. So, uh, Obi Cabell is first on the team in hits. I don't know that you've noticed one because he, I'm like, he's, but he runs into people. But and Matthew, falls down. He yeah. falls down after every time. Okay, does he? <laughs> he does. No, he falls down don't tell all me he's the time. One of those guys. What was? What, who was the player? Oh, it was Hartnell. Remember the Hartnell down? There was that whole. It's, it's, thing? it's not to draw yeah. a penalty. He's so, not trying to sell anything. He's just got bad balance. He, he runs into guys and he falls down. Keep an yeah, eye on it. At least it. he's running into people. Watch tonight. But he falls down every shift. My point is, second right. on the team is Matthews. Matthews has 14 hits through three games, which you know, impressive total. So with this fourth line, the way it is assembled. The Leafs last year were like, I think, 27th in hits or something in the league, 21 hits per game. This year, they're in the top 10, 31 hits per game. They're averaging 10 more hits per game this season. Could be early season. They're all excited. They're all horned up or whatever, but looks to me like the fourth line hits more. Really like to see just one time Austin grabs somebody and starts wailing on him. Well, just, listen. Just one. He, just one. He cross-checked a guy in the throat, and he ran over a guy against the Caps. We're, getting, we're working up to that. It's coming. But Nick, He's not going his whole career with no fights. Nick Nick Dow took a pretty good run at him. Yeah. Remember that one behind yes. the net? Yeah. That's where I just wish he would get up there and just go right after him. Yeah, and then he that breaks his take hand. Him he to play another for level. two months, and you're that, like, oh, no, what an idiot no, for no, fighting. No, no, it's no. not his job. Where's no. Wayne Simmons? You don't need to start wailing your hand like it's against a brick wall. <laughs> you just go up to him. You just talk to him. You give him a face wash. You wrestle him. You just tell him, I ain't taking your shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's it. I will say, I was one of the guys who liked the way he handled Ben Sherratt when he was like, I'm above this. I don't need to play, you know, get involved in this stuff. And then, like, two years later, I'm like, I ah, probably should have punched Ben Sherratt in the mouth. So but I, I get absolutely it. should have punched Ben yeah. Sherratt. But much better. Much better. Much better. It's a start. It's great. It's he's, a start to go growing. to another level uh, with your your size, your strength, all of it. So no issues there. Uh, before we go to break, let's run this one more clip because I don't. I, I get a sense this is Austin Matthews on 
the media asking him about playing against his hometown. Just listen to his response. If you wouldn't mind one more time again, the, uh, your first memories of uh, seeing a game in, uh, in Arizona, I guess it was the old American Airlines arena. I haven't answered this question enough. Uh, <laughs> seven years. <laughs> For the record, he did go on to give a very forthright After and going, yes. Like, like it was <sighs> rewind, play, yeah. rewind, play. Like, right, it I'm was gonna... a canned answer that he has said over the course of seven years. I just think I found it interesting that here we are only three games into the season and he's giving the media, I think, a pretty good message here. Yeah. Don't go there. Um, I'm already sick of you guys already, and we're not even through a week, barely a week into the season. But this, this just speaks to how it's not a fresh start for the Leafs this no. year. It's all one long yeah. stream. But it also, I think, sends garbage a, to crawl through like I, Shawshank Redemption. I, I think, in an indirect way, it, it kind of sent uh, you get a sense of what sometimes Matthews thinks of the media around here. We're doing this again. That yeah, he just. Yeah. You know, they're a little tough to tolerate yeah, at times. It's just volume. It's volume. It's daily. It's volume. It's so many people. You know, right? Wouldn't you get sick of it? Uh, Matt's never got sick of it. I mean, you know, he probably did, yeah. but he never tipped his hand like that. You're right then. I hope. I'm Same glad Matthews did. So what's that? Get less Dion, too. Dion, Dion never, never tipped, tipped his, his hand. hand. Never. The guy who had everyone stop Doug, waving at the crowd? Doug yeah. Gilmore never he tipped his hand. In the media, he didn't. Phil Kessel tipped his hand. Oh, this guy's an idiot, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's we go to break. Because yeah. we got Bobby Ryan after the break. And I think we're going to hear more of Bobby Ryan over the next few years. I think he's, Hope so. he's ready to maybe uh, take over our job maybe one day soon. We'll see. We'll find out. Bobby Ryan after the break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As promised, our former, uh, a former NHLer, 866 games in the NHL, many of them with the Ottawa Senators, went second overall in 2005. Who went first, JB? Uh, is that Sid's year? I don't know. I don't. I'm not good at this game. No, you're good. Was that? You're good. It was Sid. All right. All I'm... right. Let's bring in Bobby Ryan. Bobby, um, let's go. Take me back to 2005. Was there any part of that draft where you had heard Sid's interviewing just terrible right now? I could slide in here as number one. <laughs> when you introduced me, the first thing, the first thing I thought of was what a drop off after that first pick. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he even needed to go to any interviews. I think he talked to one team and called it a day. So uh, I don't think it was it was going to be slotted for me to slide in there at any point. Well, um, we're glad you've slotted into uh, our show. Uh, it's great having you on. And can I officially say that you are you are entering our do- our dark side of the media? Is that uh, is that what's happening with you? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I want to claim it officially yet, but there's uh, we'll have some announcements soon with some fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, but more so just a way to stay connected. I think after a year of not playing, you kind of look at what you want to do, and I start to get that itch again just to, just to be connected, right, and just to be around the game. And uh, uh, I don't know if I'll be a great uh, 
person to talk to all the time because I'm always going to side with a player and the media doesn't always do that. So. <laughs> it's been my whole career. Be, yeah, it's gotten I'm, me in trouble a few times. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, no, I'm going to try my best. Well, that's great. You know, for me, when I was done playing, I was like, okay, well, I, I love the game. I want to stay, as you mentioned, connected. Is there anything else that you could see yourself doing within the game? Would you want to coach or manage? Or what do you think the path is for you? Uh, I'm still mapping the path out, I guess. I, yeah. I know what I'm going to be starting with here in a few weeks. So give me a, you know, a taste of things for the next little while and, and, and see what, I guess, route I would like to take. Um, I, I don't know that I want to you know, I want to travel anymore. I'm home and I got a six and a four year old and I'm really enjoying that process. He just started skating uh, about two weeks ago. So I, I want to be around and I want to be part of all that and his journey. But uh, you know, if, if I can find ways to do it where I can pick and choose my spots and, and then, you know, be connected with guys like yourselves and other podcasts and whatever it might be, there's, there's certainly an avenue. Well, it certainly starts with just watching the games and, uh, we certainly did that on Saturday night, a Battle of Ontario, something you're familiar with. Uh, why don't we start there, Bobby, in just terms of what you saw. Let's start first with the Ottawa Senators. There's been so much built up over uh, the new look of the Ottawa Senators, this young talent that's now secured for many years on big contracts. What's your overall uh, feeling uh, watching after, say, Saturday night on the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, you know, I thought they were they were in the game, obviously, and, and you know, listen, those young guys that are there that are that we've talked about and said that they're going to take that step are um, are needing to, but at the same time, they've, they've played a lot of losing hockey, so at time, it, it it takes time to break those habits and build out of that. They got you know some really great pieces around those now with your uh, excuse me with Jeru and some other older guys, um, the Brinkat coming in who can really help the team. I I like where they're at. I I know. You know, reading on Twitter, there's a sense of panic already. But uh, it's hard to develop much of a um, an opinion after two. I'm really looking forward to kind of checking back in after eight to ten, and then having a better answer for everybody. But two games in, early hockey, it, it you know a lot of things will settle down for guys in, in every category, whether it's speed and, and system and things like that. Then you can kind of get a feel for where guys are. Bobby, it feels like the first step for franchises that are trying to dig out of some tough years is acquiring talent. They get some young guys who have ability yeah. and can score, but then it doesn't naturally translate into success the next day. It seems like there's sort of a, a growth period for those young guys to find themselves in the NHL. In your experience, what are those things that change from when you're a young guy that you kind of start to put together later in your career? I think if you you just learn how to, and it's such a cliche answer, but you learn how to be a pro every day. You learn how yeah. to go to the rink to get better. Um, a lot of what they've been doing, and DJ said it really well last week, was you know for a couple of years now it's been about developing these guys, and the expectations haven't been there. Now it's the opposite, right? And uh, and that doesn't change overnight. I think DJ, I had him for you know a year, and it was a it was a different year for me, obviously. But I I really thought that he was going to establish a culture there. Um, I think he's doing it. I think that, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I think that he's done it. And now it's about bringing the guys that are going to reinforce the culture. And you brought in a guy like Claude. You brought in some other guys. Um, you have that young talent ready to make a step. And, and it, it, everybody's just got to be on the same page. That's that's a big thing of it, right? Everybody has to be 100% committed to what the process is going to look like for the next 82 games. And then you and then you see where you are. Um but I, but I think that everything is in place for them to do that. I really like DJ. I wish I had had him longer. I think it's no secret that uh, Dorian's been looking for a defenseman. 
I, I look at that blue line again Saturday night, and uh, it, to me, I, I watched Jake Sanderson playing earlier early this season, and I'm like, they're sk- they're skipping the development part on him, and they're just going right into the hey, play 22 minutes and and bring your A game. And I I don't know if it's too much too soon, and if you run the risk of of maybe uh, you know stunting the development. Yeah, I, you know he hasn't looked out of place by any means though. He's he's I mean he skates so well. He he defends well. He gets in the lanes. Uh, there was you know especially being at that five pick or whatever the four or five pick. There's that expectation that he's probably ready right away. I I don't know what the long term answer is, but. You know, if I'm DJ and I'm looking at the overall game and I'm thinking, you know, he's not out of place. Maybe we, maybe we would see him playing 22, 25 in the AHL, and I don't know if that's great for him either because he seems to be right in the middle of the two right now. Um, but I, like I said, it's game, it's game one and two, and he's just, I, I think he's going to keep getting better. He's, I, I really like his game. You know, obviously hurt Ottawa out of the gates, losing Cam Talbot to injury over here uh, in Toronto. On this side of things, they just lost Matt Murray to injury, a guy who wasn't guaranteed to be a solution to their problems either. What are your thoughts on the yeah. difference a good goaltender can make for a team? Um, and not really just, I guess, confidence, but can it change anything, uh, you know, structurally for a team? What is the difference when you've got someone you've trust back there versus right now? I think there's some question marks for, for the teams in net. Yeah, there, I I thought Murray might have just gotten the Brady flu because I wouldn't want to stand back there with that guy on top of me all game either. So I was like, I don't blame him. We'll see him Sunday. Uh, but you know, you, you get a guy that goes down. It's 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 tough when, especially a team like Toronto, they're going to trade chances and they're going to play a running gun style of game more so than they're going to play a three zone game, right? So you have to have that confidence that there's a goalie back there that's going to bail you out sometimes. Um, they gave up some admissions in a couple of games. Uh, I, I don't know. I, the only comment I guess I would make is that when you have a guy back there that's got 100% trust from the team, uh, it allows guys to play looser up above the red line uh, mm-hmm. on the other side of the ice. So there might be some there might be some tightening up here in the next little bit. But, you know, the least they got what Arizona tonight, and I think the Islanders coming in, um, you know, with all that's going on, they have a chance to be four, uh, four and zero, oh and and and, or excuse me, um, uh, three and one actually after this. It, a lot of things will calm down if if they start to win games early. Right. We're joined by former Ottawa Senator uh, Bobby Ryan, now uh, number one media analyst in the National Hockey League. <laughs> um, Bobby, uh, I, I look at it. I look at uh, DeBrinket, and I kind of see you a little bit. In terms of coming in, being a, a guy that can put the puck in the net, uh, certainly a, a threat every time he's out on the ice. Can you kind of compare, um, you know, what you see in him compared to maybe what I, I, I've watched over the, your career and maybe the pressure of, of carrying a, a pretty big contract on a short term here? Uh, what he might be feeling like going to a team where maybe still expectations aren't as high as they've been in the past for him. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I will say one thing. He's probably going to get to a spot a little quicker than I did. <laughs> so he, can, uh, he, can, he, can score to, he can score from everywhere. Um, you saw some of the chemistry on the power play with Giroux and the, and the exhibition thing, and those things, will, those things will come back pretty quickly here for him. But it, it's always a tough situation, and I didn't have to do this a ton, but when you're on a one-year deal and you're kind of gambling on yourself and 
And, you know, it's not a small deal. It's a big-time deal where just the qualifying offer alone is going to be monumental next year. Um, I, I'm sure that he wants to, to see that first one go and, and, and continue to, you know, light it up, I guess. But um, it, it is tough. And he's a young guy, right? It's tough when you're on a one, one-year contract and you're, and you're essentially playing for that next one. But he's going to find a way to get it done. He's, he's just too good of a goal scorer. Do you have some thoughts on how important early season success is? Like I, I personally always felt that even you could have the same quality of team, but a good start versus a bad start can really snowball things in one direction or the other. I was worried for the Leafs coming out of the gates. Um, Ottawa, maybe not quite the start they wanted. Do you believe that the start is important or is it always level out to your talent of the team? I, I've always said that it, it levels itself out. I mean, yeah. that being said, you can't be 0 at 6, you know, and, <laughs> and, and start to climb after that. But it, I, I think it levels out. I think that, you know, and historically you see teams that come out and they're 0 and 2, 0 and 3. Uh, things settle down for them and they, and they get back to where they belong. You look at the Kings last year, you know, starting poorly but making the playoffs. There's, there's plenty of room there and there's so much parity in the league. You're going to be able to beat any team on any given night. Uh, you just want to make sure it doesn't influence the room and the way that they're taking instruction from the coaches or, or looking at the lineup or who they're playing with. I, those things do happen, right? You just don't want them to, to become a thing. And like you said, snowball. Um, I don't see that being the case in either organization, though. Ottawa coming home to, I think, a five-game homestand. Not that uh, you want to put all your eggs in one basket on one home uh, run here or a home okay. stretch here. Uh, but how important is this? I, I do believe the game tomorrow night is sold out. Uh, the fact that uh, there's a, a great uh, sense of newfound kind of excitement in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is this in the next five games at home? I think it's a big one for him. I think I, I, I saw a comment from Brady that he was seeing standing room only tickets. And that, I mean, listen, that happened a handful of times in all my years in Ottawa. Um, the, the city's been buzzing. The city's been waiting for this step, this this process of, of the rebuild or whatever you might want to call it. It's a rebuild. Is it a rebuild? And they went through that. They stuck by the team, and now they're they're hoping to get rewarded. And um, I, I have no doubt that the guys are going to be flying tomorrow night and then, you know, kind of right this, this little ship that's going to arrive uh, pretty quickly. Well, listen, we uh, we wish you all the best. We will we'll anticipate uh, some announcements regarding uh, your future. Looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully we can do it again soon, Bobby. I would love that, guys. Thanks for having me on and getting me back in the game. All right. Thanks for joining Bobby us. Bobby Ryan, former Ottawa no Senator. Soon to be, I think, NHL analyst, and uh, I think he'll make a good one. He tweeted a, a picture, and he's looking at ESPN Plus on the computer screen in the picture. I'm, he's not saying it. No. no one's saying it. I'm saying it. Bobby did mention uh, Brinkett, uh going into the last year of his deal. One that uh, has him needing at least a qualifying offer from the Ottawa Senators at uh, $9 million, over $9 million. It's a lot of millions. What, what does he need to do this season to, to prove his worth? Uh, Let me just say that I've never played underweight like that. I can't imagine going into games being like, millions of dollars hinges on my success tonight. <laughs> like, bleh. <laughs> that's, that's, better score. <laughs> that was Jack Campbell are, last year. Are, he was like, oh, "Are you me. one of those guys that threw up before every game?" No. Oh, I, I used to hear enough. a few guys throwing <laughs> up. I'm like, how? 
How bad can it be? Well, you need to Ralph before every game. Well, in your era, they got to go out there and tangle with Tony Twist and and fight guys. You know, like it's a different game if you're barfing about that. I'm like, I was so serious and gung ho. Like, did you ever hear someone throw up? Yeah. It almost makes you throw up. It's a horrible sound. It's a horrible sound. It is. Also, but really, throwing up, like, what are you, going to war? Are you leading the front lines in Braveheart? Like, it's the hockey match. Is is Dorian throwing up if he (laughs) loses to Brinkett in the next few years? Is that where you want to put your 9, 10 million? Maybe not. Listen, I like to Brinkett, but he... Ten, nine million? He, was he the right guy for the Ottawa Senators now? Like, wouldn't you? He's making six point four this year. He yeah. is, but it's a it's a nine million dollar base salary, which means that you got to qualify okay, him at nine okay. million dollars right, next right, year. Right. Like, is Ottawa now built where DeBrinket will be the difference maker for you in the next two years? Because again, I look at that blue line and I'm going, "Hey, Pierre, sure that that." That back end up because Shabbat is not off to a good start. Interesting to think if Debrinket, if the Sens look like a non-playoff team come f- late February, and I know the whole thing is Ottawa wants to play meaningful hockey into March and yada yada. No, see, I don't buy that. I don't buy the meaningful. You don't. I, I think well, they want the young I, guys I th- to develop I, and feel those I, I that think, pressure. I think Pierre wants he he's, needs to make the playoffs. There, I said it. He needs to make the playoffs this year. What are you? What? Yeah, I'm telling you. That's the sense out of there, that they did this to make the playoffs. You did the Brinkett to make the playoffs, not to help build something up in the next two or three years. They look around the division before they made that sort uh, of choice. Listen, DeBrinket is a nice player, but what I was getting to is if it looks pretty clear they're not going to be playoff bound come February, which quite likely... Yeah. Um, you know, is is he a valuable trade chip? Six point four million dollars at that point. It's prorated. It's you know, you're a couple God, million bucks hey, for Alex no, to bring no, no. it. They'll they'll trade for a defenseman before they go your route, and they've been looking for months all summer. The, and the still, deals. the the Chikrin thing. If if you had to pick a horse here. You're you're going to Ottawa before anywhere else. They got enough young guys to give them, but basically you have Not to Edmonton? get. That's what I keep yeah. hearing is Edmonton. Everyone always talks Edmonton's looking at him. I was I, just waiting for Kipper to answer. Well, I'm trying to leave you hanging. No, no you're I, good. I don't think they're going to trade Broberg. Okay. So I think Ottawa might have something up front that they might be able to throw Arizona. I just think I, I think Ottawa would be still in a better position than Edmonton. Although, you, know what, you know what the trick is although, in all this? After the weekend, who knows where Edmonton lies. Right. How do you get Arizona to take a big-name prospect that you don't believe in? That's the key, right? Because no one's given up a guy they think is going to be a star. Arizona's not trading for anyone that they don't think is going to be a star. So you have to have a difference of opinion on a player. You know, and and who is that? Who is that that Arizona might say, yeah, this guy's a big name for us, but we're not sure if he's going to come through? I don't know. Who Greg? Atherson? Pinto? Who do you? Greg. Yeah, Greg. Sure. I like him. Me too. <laughs> Does I Arizona? like Pinto too. <laughs> yeah, Pinto, nice release. Get that thing off quick. So, yeah, anyway, that's going to be interesting to watch. But you got to give somebody up. You do. And this is a stupid thing with hockey. In the NBA, they're like, yeah, we got to give up good players to get players. That's just trading. In hockey... 
No one wants to give up a good player. And we will have the same conversation about the Leafs at some point on who's out there and what are you willing to give up. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, we'll probably have a similar conversation about the Leafs well, all season you start long sifting with through that their blue line. Cupboard and it's like, okay, Amarov is off the table because he's going through a tough time. Um, cool to see him around the yeah. team, by the way. Um, well, well, let's go with the first ask right now. Who is the top? Nice. Number one. For sure. 100%. Matthew Nice, Nick Robertson, Topi Niemela. Is he a guy? Topi Roni. Hervin. Roni. Throw in Lilligren and Sandine. Okay. As if you were to think about making a, right. a trade. Right. When they want to make a big deal at the deadline someone, to load up. Someone looking for a prospect that might be a few years away or someone who's on the cusp. You know what always killed me when I was with the Marlies was no one watched us. Still no one watches the Toronto Marlies. Everyone pretends they know anything about the prospects. I got offered four free tickets to the Marlies game on Saturday, and I yeah, just said no. Yeah, with all due respect to the Marlies, you, you can find them walking in here. <laughs> um, but no one watched us. And, and, and make sure you tune in tomorrow for our Marley giveaway. <laughs> Do we have, have that? Go, Sam. <laughs> Do we have that? No, I, no, no. In fairness, they should have watched. There's a ton of great talent that you're going to see, and it's going to cost 200 bucks a ticket when they're here. Anyway, um, you know, and so you see these pro- the lists of, like, the next great Leafs or whatever, and it's always, I don't know, who did people get excited about when they were drafted? It's Jeremy Bracco or it's, you know, whoever it was, rather than guys who are good now. Like, the most valuable guys that we just named there, it's Sandine and Lilligren. They're the most valuable guys. They're proven NHL guys. There's no guarantee anyone else gets to, they, those, they are, to that level. Here, here's the problem is that I don't know what I'm trading for just yet, even when it comes to Sandine and Lilligren. Is Lilligren nothing more than a, uh, a third pair? Are you telling me that he's a, a top four? Am I trading for him as a top four or... Am I buying him or are you selling him as a top four yeah. or, or a bottom pair? Yeah. Great and question. No one can answer that just yet. And but, that's, where they're, that's where everybody gets caught right now. And so I would say the level of uncertainty go, gets bigger the farther you go down where guys are playing. So if they're in the American League, it's like what's Matthew Nyes is in the NCAA. The range of his outcomes are superstar, doesn't play in the league. You know, they're huge. Sandine and Lilligren are here. They're in the NHL. Yes. Their floor is they're, high. Their yeah. ceiling's but, low. But right now, they're serviceable players. Right. Arizona probably wants high I ceiling, want, low, low floor. I, I need a game breaker. I need a guy that can make a difference for me. Are you trading Matthew Nyes right now? I'd trade Matthew Nyes. If, pa- if it's Patrick Kane at the deadline, that's part of the oh, deal. Done. For, for half a season Done. of Patrick Kane, 100%. you trade Matthew Nyes? 100%. You know what? You're still mad he didn't play oh, for the Leafs in playoffs it. last year. Uh, I'll never get over that. I, I, I think that's asinine. I probably right. I think and that's, that's why I don't run an a, a desperate super fan, Sammy speaking, who's a usually drunk. At the end of his pitiful who is, rope, who is absolutely <laughs> drunk as a skunk <laughs> after Game Seven in the first round. Well, oh, you mean a guy that shoots it in the net and has won three cups and scored massive goals for a team that's actually Please, won? Man. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, the Leafs, just, this is a massive year for the Leafs, and they can get Patrick Kane, and it's going to cost a guy that I don't know what the hell he's going to be. I would do it. Sorry. Listen, I love that that's on the record. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and 
and lo- still lose in the first round. Well, they might not. And, with and pain. then and then lose him to UFA. Maybe he <laughs> takes a sweetheart deal. Maybe Matthew Nyes comes in and he's just with the right doctor now, ordered Sammy. on the fourth line. Just stop it right now before we take away your microphone. So you think it's cra- you think that's crazy that to trade Matthew Nyes for half a season of Patrick Kane? You yes. think that's yes. nuts? Yes. Nuts. yes. You you want to tell me that you've now uh, traded for him and you've locked him in for the next four years? Okay. Then we've got something to talk about. You tell me you give up your number one prospect for a guy who's a rental uh no different than uh, Nick Foligno. Oh, come on. Nick Foligno. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the contract situation. Yeah. I'm not talking about the player. I'm talking about trading something that could be in, in your organization the next two years for a rental. All the guy. Hey, listen. All I ever talk about is how the Leafs need to get a guy that's won. The Leafs, they signed Kubel to a million bucks because he dropped the cup. They're like, we need to get guys that won. We need to get. And this is the winner. In the last 10 years. We've also said, well, I shouldn't say we, mostly Kipper, but they need to be heavier and whatever, and Matthew Nyes is is different. Matthew Nyes is going back to Minnesota to get another year so we can hang out with his buddies. You give up (laughs) Nyes, you better give me Pat Kane for the next three or four years. That's all. You can have Jonathan Taves. That's who you get. You want Taves? I I like Kane. 50% 50% off, maybe 250% off. Kane's a ranger. I, I take Jonathan Taves Kane's a on a flyer. Oh, yeah. He's too. not going to cost you anything. And me too. You can get other teams to to pick up the, the cost. I wonder if he'd – I can't decide if he'd love to play here or hate it. Probably hate it. He's such a grump. I think Kane would be uh, – he'd, he'd be intrigued by playing with – Matthew For and sure. Martin. Oh, uh, his uh, American buddy Matthews. Yeah. You know what? Him, they got Belfry in common too. Well, listen, you want to you want to show that you're serious to Math uh, to Austin Matthews. You trade for his childhood hero. That's not a bad point there. Thank okay, you. we got to go to break because we got Mike McKenna coming up. Uh, I'm gonna revisit the goalies again. I'm not sure. I'm going. I like real goalie and born, but I'm not sure. I I, I want to. After today, no goalie talk for like. Okay, we're going to cut it off. Yeah, we'll no get, goalie guests. We'll let maybe. Mike go off on, uh, of course, Matt, Mike, uh, Matt Murray, uh, Samsonov. Shalgren. Shalgren and the Leaf scenario. Okay. But then we got to get into Marc-Andre Fleury a little bit here. Yeah. And what's going on in Minnesota. Lots of goalie discussion. Lots okay. of goalie discussion with Mike McKenna after the break. Hey, we don't know where you're watching or listening, but if it's on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Because that really, really excites our boy, Sammy. More Real Kipper and Porn after the break. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are well into our first week in the National Hockey League season. Which means a guy like Mike McKenna would have had enough time to maybe gauge where the goaltending has gone in the first week. Overall, mm-hmm. look at uh, who's out of the gate well, who's not, who's hurt. <laughs> and maybe, maybe we start there. Let's bring in Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff. Mike, what's going on, bud? 
Oh, it's great to hear your voices. You mean you mean there's goalies that are hurt? I can't believe it. No way. Who are we going to talk about? Before we get into Matt Murray, just overall your sense of what you've seen uh, from from the goaltending position. It just seems to me that uh, it's clear that you got your Vasilevskis and you got your your Shesterkins, but then there might be just a little tad of a drop off. <laughs> Yeah, there's not many people that truly dominate games like those two. And by the way, them facing each other, Shostakhin and Vasilevsky on opening night was just goalie porn. That was unbelievable <laughs> to watch. I mean, like, like, dude, we couldn't have had a better start to the season for the, watching them play. And and what was amazing about the game was just how good Vasilevsky was and how good he had to be because man, Tampa looked sluggish in the opening game against the Rangers. Um, but but you're kind of seeing this now. Like, even though the numbers are are up. Uh, across the board with goaltenders with save percentage by just a little tick, right? Like nine, 10 or so we've seen some pretty mixed bag performances so far. And, you know, you look at, you know, even someone like a UC Soros who, man, that guy's a Vezina candidate every year. Well, he hasn't had great help in front of him and his numbers don't look great. Like this is kind of the microcosm of what you see in the first two or three games. So um, there's definitely some standouts. I mean, Carter Hart, Logan Thompson, some dark horses we may not have expected that have performed well so far. And I'm sure we'll uncover more of those as these next week or two goes on. As far as the Toronto Maple Leafs are concerned, this time last year, Peter Mrazek came in with somewhat of a reputation of being as delicate as a China doll. I don't think we, Matt Murray's injury history has been well documented, but we, we didn't ex- Nobody saw this coming, or or did we? I I hesitate to say that we didn't, but I, we kind of did. Like, <laughs> and I I can't stand that because I'm just rooting for like Murray as an individual to have the opportunity to play a full NHL season. But when's the last time that's happened? Like, there's just been consistent injuries, and you know, it's not like it's been one thing. It's been upper body. Now it's lower body. Like, at some point, players earn the label of being fragile. And I think Murray's at that stage. And that's why I was really nervous about the Leafs going with just Murray before there was the Samsonov signing is that, man, I don't know if he can play a full season long. And that is the benefit of going out and getting Samsonov. At least now they have an NHL goaltender in the wings that can play and Shalgren with some experience at least. But man, imagine if the, if the Leafs would have gone into the season with just Murray with no safety net, it would have a lot different complexion than it looks like right now. You know, I'll ask my actual question after this, but if I'm, am I crazy or didn't you play like 15 years without missing a game to injury? Is that something like that? Yeah, well, 14, but who's counting? And if we want to go even further, we could actually just say my whole life. I never <laughs> missed a game due to injury. Never missed a game now, to injury I, in your whole life? Not once. Now, I did sit out a couple games due to sickness. So, like, you know how this is, like, Born, you know how this is, man. Like, if I absolutely had to dress or play when I was sick, I could have done that. Like, right. we've done that previously. Uh, there was no time, though, in my career where a physical limitation kept me out. And I got to wow. tell you, I got the worst body in hockey. It's a wonder. <laughs> I was built to play goaltender and nothing else. Um, but being available is a skill. And, yeah. like, 
Look how few games Vasilevsky's missed in the last couple of years. It's not just that he's an unbelievable goalie. He's available. For whatever reason, his body is able to stand up to the position. Do you think there's something? So I went to Islanders camp in 2008. Rick DiPietro was there, and Rick was like 2% body fat. Like legit, I think he was like the lowest body fat on the team. He was absolutely shredded. And the guy was, as you mentioned with Mrazek, he could not stay healthy. Do you think there's something to having a body that's a little bit more pliable than, you know, for in terms of physique for goaltenders? Phil Kessel's got a consecutive streak, by the way. Let's keep that in mind. That's right. Like, I think we all need a daily diet of a couple hot dogs and maybe a couple of beverages. Well, no, it doesn't I, hurt to be a little, you know, so, dad bod. Well, I think you're bot. I think you're body shaming me, which I'm going to accept at this point. If anybody's ever seen me with my shirt off, but uh, but no, I, I listen. I, I know it's different for every different individual, but like you mentioned, Rick DiPietro, and like the moment he started to bulk up, he couldn't stay healthy. You know, that's just the way it was. So, is there a factor to that? It sure seems like it. Now, I've known some. I mean, Murray is so. He's so skinny. It's been a point of contention previously, even in Pittsburgh. They try to get him to bulk up, try to gain muscle mass, try to be more durable. Some people's bodies just aren't made for this, no matter how hard you try. And the the stress that we put on it as a goaltender just isn't natural. And it just kind of plays out to me like there's a certain grouping of goalies that their bodies play nice with being a goaltender and allows them to be in the net often. And there's just other goalies who their body is going to constantly fight and revolt on them. So my next question to you is kind of useless because I was going to ask you what it would be like to start the season with a, a pulled groin and, and try to manage that the rest of the season. But maybe you can speak of maybe one of your teammates. <laughs> well, you know, I can speak to at least what it's like to, to get back into the swing of things as a goaltender. And, you know, you spend this time ramping up to get ready for the regular season and, you know, for me, it usually took about two weeks worth of seeing pucks before my puck tracking felt like it was on. And I'll give you a great example. It seems like even last year in the playoffs, when Darcy Kemper came back from his eye injury in the first round against Nashville comes back after that, he really wasn't tracking pucks. Well, I thought, and maybe that's the eye injury, but I think it's just as much being a little bit out of sync. And that's really what Murray's going to fight is just that game feel. And on top of that, in the back of your head, you're going, oh, man, I don't know if my body's going to hold up because I've played through pulled groins. I had pulled groins in two Calder Cup finals I went to in the American Hockey League, and I just basically put it out of my mind as much as it felt like I was getting stabbed in the inner thigh every time I went down. But healthy. you can't really – it never got you worse. You can do that when something's on the line, though, you know? Like, when you're playing for a title, you can do it. But when it's November and you're just now coming to a new team, that's hard to do. And it never got worse than, like, to the point where you couldn't get up, which I, I've yeah. had, we've all had, as skaters. Yeah, for me, it got to the point where it just killed. But after the first period, it was usually the adrenaline took over for me, you know. And and I don't think unless you really knew me as a goaltender that you would be able to tell. But the craziest thing, guys, is that the one time I pulled it, I was skating off for the extra attacker. It's not like I even made like a six save or went way on a big reach. I took two hard strides like I was doing a John Tortorella training camp, and I pulled my groin on the way to the bench. So yeah. <laughs> I, go figure, right? I got one more on injuries before we yeah, move yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you've never been – you've never lost a game to injury in, in 14 years? So – 14. Is yeah. there anything over that 14 years that you can say that my 
prep work helped me avoid that, or are we just talking about dumbass luck? <laughs> Uh, I do think luck is a factor. I think a person's individual body type is a factor, but I do think that there's certain preparation and warm ups that you can do that can help that a lot of times to me, I think a lot of guys overdo it. Like I, and this is just purely anecdotal and I'm sure that there's fit personal trainers and, and strength coaches out there that are going to disagree. But, you know, I found a system that worked for me. I found the right balance between being warmed up and being overly so for a game. You know, and I think that's kind of the thing is that sometimes players just fall in line with whatever they're being told that they have to do to get ready and, and they don't mm-hmm. find their own routine, yeah. you know, and you really have to listen to yourself and your body and what's working. And I found that, you know, I needed about five minutes of active warm up and like three or four minutes of static stretching and I was good to go. That was the perfect balance for myself. I know you ever sit there before a game and you see that guy in his stall and he's just leaking, he's just doing CrossFit before the game. You're like, what are you doing, man? Like. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite was Vinny LeCavalier. He would come tearing into the locker room in Tampa Bay seven minutes before warmups with no equipment on, and he'd get dressed in seven minutes. <laughs> it was incredible to see firsthand. Yeah, to each their own. So in uh, in Murray's first game, so he plays one. You had a tweet or two about you know him looking like he had reverted to his old style. Like, what, what did you take away from game one, and how does that translate to expectations for when he comes back? You know, I thought that Murray, I thought he was fine for the most part, but the hardest thing is that two of the goals go in late in the game and he gets beat clean by a goal and he has a bad knack for getting beat clean and looking bad doing so. And I think there's a couple stylistic things about Murray that cause that he tends to play really low and wide in a stance, which some goaltenders can get away with that when they track the puck well, but that's a component that's been missing from Murray's game is I don't think he's tracking it well. And when you play low and wide, and a shot comes in from Cole Caulfield down the wing that pretty much goes in the middle of the net, high glove side. You look at it and you go, man, Murray's off the angle to begin with. His right foot's in front of his left. And when he butterflies because he's so low, his feet splay way out, his hands come out, and basically he's just blocking. Like he's not reacting at all. He's playing smaller than that six foot four, six foot five frame. And that's been kind of the knock on him the last couple of years is that he's just reverted to blocking rather than reacting more often. And he plays small. So I saw that a couple of times. I didn't think his tracking was great. Um, to his credit, I mean, his depth is pretty good. He's usually in the blue paint. It's just that he has a hard time making reactionary saves on shots from mid distance that have a tendency to beat him clean. Murray out for the next at least four weeks. Samsonov uh, in, not tonight. We'll see uh, Shalgren in. But I'll uh, I'll throw the same question I threw uh, JB earlier in the show. Uh, Samsonov ready for this? He's going to have to be. Uh, and But the good news is that he's playing on a team that can just win games, okay? Toronto can be kind of like Colorado last year in that it's a pretty insulated environment for a goaltender, but... From watching Samsonov's first two games, I, I didn't really like the first period um, of his first game of the season against Vancouver where, you know, he gets beat backdoor once. He gets beat or he gets, against Washington, I apologize. So backdoor once, you know, gets another one, Johansson down the wing. But after that, I thought he was really good. And I think we saw kind of the similar thing in game two. And, you know, for Samsonov, he's got a decent amount of experience and he should have been a number one goalie. Like the Caps gave him that chance and he couldn't grab it. So he does have experience. The difference I saw with Samsonov was that there was, 
I thought there were things to his game that have been better than I've seen before. There's been improvement. It's almost like he got a wake-up call that, hey, oh, wow, the team that drafted me doesn't want me anymore. I better get my game together and take this seriously. Because he used to be really, really loose in his movements. He wasn't very crisp. He'd slide around a lot. And that's still a bit there. But I just felt like he was tighter in these past couple games. Like he was crisper. Like he had more details to it. And, you know, maybe I'm seeing what I want to see from him because he's had two pretty good games. But I think that that's real. And I would suspect that that's something that he clued in on this summer and this offseason. And if that's the case, his natural ability has always been there. It's just mm-hmm. if he can mentally put it all together and, and make sure that he carries that consistency through a season. So uh, kind of a two-part question. Tonight would have been his third game in five nights. They're playing Arizona. They decide to play Shalgren. Do you think they should have gone back to Samsonov? And just tied to that, any thoughts on Shalgren after watching him last year? I actually think this is the right move completely to go to Shalgren okay. in this instance. Because one, you're facing Arizona, which I know, let's beat up on Arizona. I, I, I get it. But like, I, I think it's a good instance for him to hop in the cage. And it's also because he didn't get a lot of action in preseason, guys. You know, like he played, you know, game and a, what, four periods, game and a half. And like he played really well, but it was very limited. He needs time in the net right away because when they, when a team says a player's out at least four weeks and it's a goalie and it's an adductor muscle, we're talking six weeks. Come on now. That's, it's not going to be four. Like I, just guessing, you know what I mean? Like I'd be surprised if it was four weeks. So, I think the Leafs are going to need Shawgren to play at least probably four to five games over this stretch. So get him in there, get him against the team that you can find some success. He's not going out out there against the avalanche and he's already played 14 games, 15 games of NHL experience. So um, at least he's got a winning record and he's shown that he can get that job done. Now we just hope that Samsonov stays healthy, healthy at this point, because if you start going even further down the batting order, things get real scary fast. We're joined with Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff, hockey analyst, of course, a goaltender a guru to the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Got to ask you about the Battle of Alberta on the weekend, particularly Jack Campbell, not off to a great start, pulled Saturday night. Uh, uh, what did you see and what would be uh, Jack's mindset uh, starting this week? Uh, it wasn't a great game against the Flames, no doubt. I mean, you allow four goals in the first you know, half of the first period and that's the way it's going to be. But I mean, you kind of have to look at them. Obviously that's part of it. You know, you've got a clean break from Kaji or Kadri. You've got another down the wing. You've got stone with a pretty screenshot off the wall, but I, I just find that this has been two starts now where, you know, Campbell right off the bat has had a shot go in clean and he's had a breakaway go in. Like he locked down so hard in game one of the year against Vancouver and was so good in the second and third period that it gave me a lot of hope going into the second game. I'm like, all right, he's, this is going to be fine. No problem. Well, then he gets shelled again. And so, I mean, that kind of gives me pause for concern because he hasn't had that good feeling right off the bat. Like you want that, you want to get through the first period, like a zero on the board as a goalie, maybe one against if your team's even, you know, um, I I just look at it right now where he's still trying to find his way. Like he's trying to get to the top of the crease and he's battling his own defenseman, Ryan Murray to to face a shot, you know, like some of these things are just learning the tendencies of your own teammates when you can take depth, when you need to stay back um, stuff like that. But 
I got to tell you guys, that guy, I'd really love to see him modernize equipment because I sure I see Kadri's goal sneak five hole on him, and I see his thigh rises two inches off the ice because his pads are so soft and flexible. They don't cover the five hole like most goalies nowadays. And I'm just thinking, man, that's probably three or four or five goals a year. So it, it bugs me. The old goalie gear nerd in me, it drives me crazy when I see people not take advantage of technology when it comes to equipment. And I think Campbell's pads are kind of in that category. I think he would have saved Kadri's breakaway with a set of stiffer modern pads to cover the five hole. Why are you selling goalie pads? I mean, you just sold me a pair and I don't even play. Well, you know, I got a background in sales occasionally. I did this when I was a kid. I used to go and no, I, I just, listen, man, like I'm such a, ner- a gear nerd and I always wanted the newest, latest, greatest thing, man. And I remember when I came, 2015 Bauer comes out with these pads that are stiff. They're all foam. They're a different construction. Lundquist brought them into the NHL and I remember putting them on. They were radical. They were all Velcro straps. I mean, nobody was using Velcro straps. And I went, man, I can tell that I'm going to love these. And I have to use them, even if they feel weird. And they made a huge difference in my game. But I knew it was going to be an adjustment period. And some people, some goalies, they just refuse to go through that adjustment period to modernize their equipment. Love the insight, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show, Mike. Thanks for doing this. Anytime. Always a pleasure with you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike buddy. McKenna. Where, where were you in the analysis of the soft foam pads and the thigh risers and the... I don't know. Every time I shot on a goalie, they were stiff as a you know, <laughs> board. Yeah. They weren't bending for me for five hole much. No, it's interesting, though. I would never have even considered that he didn't have, you know, up-to-date equipment. I, I watched Jack Campbell and, to, to Mike's point, did a pretty good job in that opening, shutting the door. Mm-hmm. But... Is that the, is that the ongoing pressure that he's going to face all year? Um, because I did watch uh, Murray and and Bouchard have a pretty tough time helping him out in front of the net on the weekend. You know there are. I think the Oilers might be what everyone has said the Leafs are for years, where they score, 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 but you're going to give up some really dangerous chances against because the decor is not that good. Um, that, that could be the Oilers. That could be a nightmare goaltending job for anyone, but at least you got a five-year contract to feel good about it when it's not going well. I, well, are you rooting for, cause yes. you love the guy. You no. want him to have success. No, no, no. no. I'm rooting for him to fail. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, but that's the, the, like, the super Leaf fan in you saying yeah. we've got to make sure that it's abundantly clear. We didn't mess Kyle up. Kyle made the right decision here. Not even Kyle, just the fact that that contract is not on the books, right? Like that contract. If that were gamble. the Leafs right now and his Panic save mode. percentage was we seven hundred, and he had a five-year deal, you'd be going. We'd be panicking. Going, we, How do you give him that deal after his last five months? So blah, blah, blah. you'd rather um, have Matt Murray out four to six weeks yes. than well, uh, Jack start with a five-year yes contract. I would, but here's the thing: I'll say. Is that it's just it's a it's an Edmonton thing like that's the only I really do not like Edmonton the Edmonton Oilers and it goes back to them getting McDavid when the league obviously should have rigged it for Toronto they're the worst team in the league they had the the generational superstar that wanted to, it. that yeah, wanted that. that wanted to be in Toronto they rigged it for the for the Penguins he believes that too they should have rigged it for <laughs> Toronto and they give him to Edmonton and he's like, I just, Who would rig something all, for the uh, Penguins? And all the and because they were they were floundering, they were going to be out of the league. They got the they got the first overall pick. 
So Lemieux, do you believe Colt that Arizona, an who is floundering, going to be out of the league, is yes. going to get Connor Bedard? 100%. Well, it's working out pretty good for Pittsburgh because 17 Stein. years after that rigged <laughs> draft, uh, they got a guy still leading uh, the season in points uh, due this week. Stein. Sid's leading yep. the is league? Sid six points in two games. First star of the week, ho-hum. Got to be my favorite player in the league. Oh, yeah. I've said Kale McCarr in the past, but I'm still uh, now that Sid's getting older, it's, it's easier to root for him. Yeah, they played Arizona. That's okay. So, <laughs> so you get half a point for points against Arizona. Too soon. I'm going to throw uh, two teams out there. Too soon to tell, but Pittsburgh going to be much better than we thought. And talk told us that. Let's stay in the Atlantic Division. Is is Boston going to be better than we thought? <laughs> Sammy, <laughs> oh. only a couple of games. Yeah, but well, I just. Like, I'm watching them play, and it's the, what, fifth straight year of, oh, they, maybe the Bruins aren't going to be as good as you think this year. Bing, bing, Bergeron, shoot it in the net. <laughs> Pasternak, bar down. Six oh, just <laughs> passing it around. Like, oh, great. Oh, great. Pasternak. Oh, yeah. You mentioned Marchand is skating, by the way. He's back full practice yeah. with the team. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, great. They don't really... That's one of those where the, you can't convince the doctors. It's like, can I go out there? It's like, eh, you're going to... Bother me every day to go out? Yeah. Okay, then go out. Think so? I don't think it changes anything. But he's skating? Non, he had uh, yeah. normal jersey on, yeah. not the non-contact No, I, I, I think whatever the schedule they gave would pretty much What was the schedule? Be. When was he supposed I, I to come back? I think it's uh, Late November, in, de- wasn't it? in the December. Oh, he'll be playing before that. It, it was, yeah, it was uh, like after American Thanksgiving was the initial thing I had heard. So. Listen, if they're putting up points, there's no sense of urgency here. The, the, the sense of urgency was... Would Boston be out of it? Right. That was and, and needing much. him to come back in. And I'll throw Tom Wilson in that mix for the Washington Capitals. Is it up there desperation? If, uh, he's irreplaceable. So would he have pressure to come back before he's ready? I think it could go the other way with him. Like they might just suck. They may not be as good. You know, they may be they going say, the other Don't way. Come that, back. that that is unacceptable in Washington, I can assure you. Yeah, that Pits- won't fly. Pittsburgh plus eight goal differential through two games. <laughs> Arizona and I don't know who else it was, but so just to go back to my take that you guys thought was ridiculous about. Um, no, no, Kane. don't bring up knives and cane, please. So I got our friends at Sportsnet to run a, t- a poll on our YouTube channel. Okay, and uh, would you include knives in a trade for half a year of cane? Was the poll? No, sixty-eight percent. Yes, thirty-one percent. So there's a 31% of people on our YouTube chat are idiots so like me. They're more Kipper's side. Yes. Yeah, there you go. But still, that there was, you had you know, some support there. You had a little support. 30% support, not too shabby. Not bad. So I just wanted to, just a little piece of help. But if you're, you're going to make a real bold move, it has to be, Sammy, pay attention to me now. It has to be a defenseman. Mm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm. Run a uh, poll well, on that out. one, my friend. Hear, hear me out on this for the Leafs. What if it was a 5'9 scoring winger? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone who likes it? Yeah. No? All right. No. Gifford doesn't like it. <laughs> it's a good point. Like, he really is the exempl- like exemplifies what everybody hates about Dubas in terms of what oh, yeah. he's traded for. Yeah, more or less. But he's different. Uh, Vegas is 3-0. and I don't know if anyone cares about yeah. that, but... No, you're taking a victory lap early on that one. Yeah, it's a 
really a victory lap I just as much thought, as a. Uh, like, it revved the who, engine. Who's, who's running with it? Logan Thompson? Logan Thompson. Yeah, see, I, I thought uh, that one may be a, an iffy for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good start. Doesn't mean too much. I do wonder. I did have them as my disappointing team of the year. I, I may look stupid on that one. but When you look at starts for the year, like in terms of, oh, man, they're off to a great start or a terrible start, like the Sharks, season's over. Yeah, 0-4. <laughs> Four games, started in Prague, 0-4, minus 8 goal differential. Uh, see you next year. How how unfun is that? I would be so mad if you're a borderline team that's scrapping to make it. you got to start overseas. You know what, uh, speaking of San Jose and their decision to let Brent Burns go, that might be a sleeper, like, pickup by Carolina that mm-hmm. we aren't talking enough about. What a difference he can make. Well, they lose Tony D'Angelo. Like, Go ahead. Oh, just as in terms yeah. of an offensive power, power play defense. just a presence. Yeah. And tons of character and a fun guy to be around. Like, I look at I look at Brent Burns, and I envision him, uh, envision him on two teams here in Canada, Edmonton and Toronto, and where that would have put those respective clubs in our eyes today if they could have found a way – to get a guy like that in. How about his celebrity status? How that would change if he's in one of those markets too. I mean, he's the perfect fit for that decor because they have guys who defend. Which one? Edmonton or Toronto? Sorry, both. I was I yeah. meant Carolina. Yeah. I meant Carolina. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, he would be wonderful in either spot. In in Carolina, though, they have guys who play D first, like Slavin and like Brett Pesci. They've they've got some good D. So I like him as a fit there. Carolina team boys, they're legit. Teravainen, Aho, Jarvis, Sveshnikov, Natchez. You know, a lot to like there. Maybe. And, Fre- and <laughs> Freddie won't be a net for them in the playoffs, so. <laughs> you know this. Just from your spidey senses. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just don't. What do you think the league does if Connor Bedard goes to Arizona, honestly? Like they let him go play in Mullet Arena for two years in front of 45,000 people? What choice do you have? You just you rig it. This is the time you rig it, Sammy. Well, Gary you can't let Arizona get Bedard. You can't. In he, Gary's eye, it's it's the dream scenario to get him. You know, he has fought so long for Bedard. It might even help them get the arena quicker done, or I don't know if they got a guy like that. It would matter. You know who could get in two years from now could get them help get a rinka a lot faster. <laughs> Who's that? No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Huh? No, Matthews. You didn't mean Matthews. Don't even bother. Pump the brakes. Oh, my God. You know who I'm just, I just said in two years that could really speed up the process. In theory, it sure yeah, could. Yeah, t- I only speak in theory. You don't think the Nick Ritchie situation is going to get it done? Goal per game, so, Nick Ritchie? Hold on. Just quickly, going back to Connor Bedard, because we've talked a lot about these guys that have been coming out, these first overall picks. This guy seems like the next real generational guy that we talk about. Just for through his first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. These are his shot attempts in those games. Okay. 16, 13, 16, <laughs> 15, 9. I don't know what happened that night. Maybe he had some bad seafood. 12, 12, 13, 17, 17 for shot attempts. You, you know what I think of when I hear that? Move the puck, oh, buddy. Move the puck. Do you watch the highlights? Honestly. Yeah. Move the puck. No, the kid, he... he Okay, it's been a while since there's been a Canadian kid that's got my Canada feels going. Like, I guess Connor McDavid would be the last one. Like, really got me feeling the pride for, like, the Canadian hockey guys. Yeah. 
And Bedard is now one 17 of 17 shots. So whatever that average, I think it was 140 shots over 10 games, 14 shots per game average. Do you think you touched the puck 14 times per game when you played? I I don't have to think. I know. <laughs> is it a yes or a no? No. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I didn't. <laughs> it's a hard no. <laughs> I, yeah. It's a lot of it's touches. No. That's just a lot of times to get the puck in this sport. It really is. Yeah, I think we can um, label him special. That like, it's the type of guy that if you're in a junior hockey town in Western Canada, you got to go to the rink to go watch him play. Like I remember when McDavid was a kid on the Erie, went and saw him playing on sound a couple of times, and you're just like, wow, that's special. It's it's cool for those small towns when a guy like that rolls through. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. that often. So, just wanted to highlight that. And I get it. You should be trying to suck badly. Like, don't be how anywhere many, near good. How many legit teams are are tank? We know a couple, but how many legit are tanking for this guy? Well, you got Arizona for sure. Is Montreal in that list? Probably. Probably. Chicago for sure. And I would have said Philly, but I don't know what they're doing. They keep they're they're winning hockey games. Well, there's two. If, if you are, do you go and get John Tortorella this year? Like if that's you're trying the, to lose. That's the worst guy you can get if you think that you might want to be in on this pick. Right. Let's make this a miserable there's experience a to the bottom. There's He's not the king a of the chance pop. that like, this guy is gonna allow. 20 guys every night to not bring it. You're right. So that, that that scratches Philly off the list. Well, you're right. And also Chuck Fletcher, you know, everything that Philly is, is his doing. He's been there a long time, given out a lot of deals. If they're bad, that is just a straight up indictment of himself. So you could see why he would be incentivized to have Philly be good. So San, sure, San take Jose, Philly off the list. San Jose now in tank mode hard. Four games in, tank mode? Yep. Minus eight, goal differential, no wins. Just tank. Boy, Canuck need, Canucks uh, needs a win. That was so, bad English. Uh, <laughs> can, can Anaheim put themselves in that? No, Anaheim. Anaheim. They're going to be better. Think thinks they're good. I, I don't see. So. I don't think so. They just signed. I, I don't believe that. Uh, Vitrano. They signed Strom. Like they're trying to do the thing where they go up. Yeah, no, but Strom's one of those guys that can keep some of the younger players like Zegris honest with a work ethic, but he's not carrying any mail that's for, i saw for, for a team a lot of the like advanced stat people are like this is this anaheim team's gonna be better than people think that may know. be the case what? and gibson can certainly do that klingberg for one season oh yeah they got clingy right? so but they they they're good they should miss the playoffs they should would you trade the leafs d for anaheim's d Cam Fowler, John Klingberg, Dmitry Kulikov, Jamie Drysdale, Drysdale, Simon Benoit, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, I drive them all to the airport. <laughs> the Leafs D. Yeah. <laughs> I, ah. you, I don't know. Klingberg and Shattenkirk, you'd go crazy watching. Oh, them. yeah. That's... Dry, Drysdale. Drysdale. That's it. That's your number one guy. Yeah. Maybe Ottawa should tank for Bedard. Oh, what if? I, the, the nightmare scenario is he goes to Montreal. That's the nightmare scenario. It's a real one, too. For sure. This is my nightmare. <laughs> Why? That would be fantastic for everybody. Oh, in yeah. Great for the league. Yeah. Great for the yeah. Sammy's just F off. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I uh, it just would be all of a sudden it's Cole Caulfield. They move over, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Cole who? Right. Cole Scram beat it right now. <laughs> 
But they seem to have a lot of good people in place there in terms of front office, coaching, or whatever. And then you get that guy that just takes you to the next level. I don't want that to happen. But there are some teams who you who start poorly and you go, they're just too good to get in that conversation. It's not like the Wild are going to be down there. I mean, it's not like Tampa's going to be down there or something. But you could see Ottawa doing it. You could see Buffalo doing it. You could see Montreal doing it, who we all thought were going to be improved this year. So it's not settled yet that he's an Arizona Coyote. I think if... Ottawa's in that conversation. There's a lot of people in hot water. You think Pierre? Yes. DJ. Who fires Pierre at this point? <laughs> Is it the daughters of Eugene Melnick? That's a good question. I'm not trying to be funny. I don't even know yeah. who it would be. No, it would be the board. So are they going to sell the team? Are they going to There's the team? no indication, They're at just... least from what I've heard, that that's uh, on the horizon. It's crazy that they're putting some money into players and all of a sudden they're like near a sellout for a Monday night or Tuesday night game or something. That's great. The the passion's still there in Ottawa. Not the passion, but a passion. They need a new rink and they have to go downtown. Momentum for that, you think? I, I I think locking a lot of those assets up does play into... Look, we're going to have players. Well, you're buying. You're buying star players. You're, yeah. These are assets... You need to pay for those assets. And I think I think it does lend towards if you sell, it's a good time to sell. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, sorry, you say something. Well, I was going to say that we have, uh, we used to do best bets at the end of this show. Last. Yep. I got a good one for you, a hot one. Well, first off, is it? Tell me, it's not on the Leafs. No, it's not on the Leafs. Who are minus five fifty favorites on a bet? Minus yeah. five fifty. I've never seen a regular season favorite that heavily favored. Ever. A, a Nick Ritchie goal pays plus two sixty on uh, certain books. That's yeah. free money. <laughs> <laughs> He's scoring tonight. Oh, I take that. Oh my! Rich was great. Um, Rich is great. Rich is shooting one in the net tonight. That is a lock. It I've been watching such this, a lock. I've been watching this team for too long to know. It's going to go through Samsonov's logo. Well, he's not playing, so Shaw oh, Do you think he yeah. rides his stick down center ice if he scores? <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he makes a big deal. Tiger. I hope he looks at this team, and when he was here, I was the guy trying to not be a Neanderthal, saying if you're not going to score, punch someone in the face. Like at least have a purpose or a role. He's going to go bully the Leafs tonight. Just be like, tell someone out there to do I something about know. it. And, and 30, I don't know. You think he has it in him to I, now? I, not naturally, but if he's pissed at the Leafs In the enough, Leafs' face? I think, or he could just be a ghost. I okay. think if you couldn't pull it out on a consistent base yeah. for him last year or the last little while, then it's no. Nah, he's looking for a goal before he's looking to rattle teeth. All right, that's fair enough. It, uh, my best bets tonight, Sammy. Uh, I was looking. The Metro Division is like to me all going to win tonight. You got the Rangers. Got to have Anaheim. Carolina is in Seattle. There's a couple of games. Look at all the Metro faves tonight. I like them all. I went with Carolina parlayed with the Rangers tonight for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and Oh, go ahead. And I was saying, as for the Leafs at minus 550, I saw someone uh, do a, a parlay where if you did uh, Arizona to win plus an Austin Matthews goal was plus 900. Okay. Is that tempting for you? It is, but the Leafs should win by a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they're minus 550. Yeah. What's by a lot mean to you? Two or three. Do you believe the two, theory? Two yeah. is not a lot. Five, five, three, or five. Five, two. three is not if a Arizona lot. If Arizona scores three times five, three, tonight, you're giving me an empty net wrong. goal. Wow. Well, no, I think it'd be five. Like, listen, Shulgren, we saw him last year. He's not great. 
So, do you they believe could, the theory that teams get up and they're going to like be a better Arizona team because they're in Toronto? Of course, of who, course. Who is their most dangerous player? Is that still uh, Rick Nitchie. Clayton Keller? Yes, Nick Ritchie's their leading goal scorer with two. So, um, I'm on. Is I'm Clayton on guess Keller that's, Shane Goss Despair is leading the team in points with three. J.J. Moser is second with Nick Ritchie. Boomst? I'm sorry, uh, who? Listen, <laughs> he's followed closely by Dylan Gunther, Matthias Michelli, Josh Brown. I'll just... I don't know these names. I know you don't. I watch hockey every day. I don't know these guys. <laughs> what is... Uh, Clayton Keller's at what? Seven mil? Is he really? I think he's got a big ticket. Well, yeah, he, he was got to get to the floor. So. He was one of those the Chica guys that like they signed early on to kind of gamble. Yeah, he is making 7-1 this year. Wow. Yeah. It's 7-1 until 27 who's, the car, who's their goalie? Uh, uh, Vemelka. Vemelka? Yeah, he had like a 55 oh, save. he could pitch win. a shutout tonight. Here are their four centers. Boyd, We're back Hayden, tomorrow McVay, to wrap Bustow. it up. Real Kipper and Bourne.